going on, guys? This is uh, another episode of One More Round. Um, Casey just declared with Nick and, and Damien. Um, we've got a wonderful episode coming your way today. We've got some stories that we've got to tell um, boxing fans from around the southeast and anybody who just likes to hear some some crazy stuff will be interested in the next two-part episode we're going to be talking about uh zane the train marks but first before we get into zane fellas how are we doing today doing well okay so i gotta say this idea has intrigued me and i've done more uh research on this than, than i have in a, in a in a very long time and brought back a lot of memories and I'm, I'm anxious to be able to share uh can't wait to better kind of talk about a few things with you guys you with you guys and, and see how this thing goes yeah same here this this was the whole zane part of my life the boxing part was so much fun every weekend going out different places doing fun things and the adrenaline rush of your guy knocking somebody out is amazing and like it was a blast this whole this whole time period in my life i think the thing that it will get people to kind of be interested in what we're doing it's gonna be a two-part episode of kind of what we talked about and there's a lot of ups and then at the at the end of this episode this first part will be kind of the high and then Part two, we're going to be labeled, which we'll kind of talk about later, will be the derailment of the train. It's It, it gets rough, and I, I think this is this would be – somebody mentioned already online and kind of the, the, the pre um, – the, the hype that we're kind of putting on this, that would be a 30 for 30. This would be as good as any 30 for 30 that, you, that you've seen. And, and just so that the, the people who are not familiar with us are aware, you guys were like front row – as, as front row as you could be, you know, helping manage this guy, helping train this guy. So, you know, we're not just guys who are watching this from the upper deck. You guys, I was in the upper deck. You guys were, were ground level watching all this as it was unfolding. And I guess we'll dive right in. Zane the Train Marks, he was born in Green or Greenock, Scotland, United <laughs> Kingdom. <laughs> Greenock. Greenock, Scotland, United Kingdom. He was born on October the 17th, 1984. Um, he was billed out of New Orleans early in his career, got his start against Trenise Brown, his debut in New Orleans, won a unanimous decision, then fought a couple of bouts, lost them both, one to Dupree Strickland by decision. Then fellas got knocked out by Lucien Boutte in Quebec City. Uh, Lucien Boutte is a prized future Hall of Famer, if not currently in the Hall of Fame, you know, former champion. Um, did Zane tell you guys anything about how he landed that fight and, and how it all went down for him? He ended up getting knocked out. So I think that a lot of things that's going to be said are going to be questioned. And the first thing that we're talking about, the first thing you mentioned is an outright lie. Uh, he is not from Scotland. That's something that he, <laughs> um, that he kind of just built himself as he has. Now he does have family there, but I've seen his birth certificate and I've seen social security card and whatnot. He was born in Jacksonville, Florida. His dad was in the Navy. Uh, he may, his dad spent some time in the Navy. He may have been conceived in Scotland, but he was definitely born in Jacksonville, Florida. So we could get that out of the way. Uh, that's the first lie that we're going to kind of un- unveil in this whole this whole series here. Um, so just to give a little background, uh, kind of what you touched on, uh, I met Zane. Uh, I was My family had um, – my grandfather and I managed some boxers. We had a big heavyweight, and he was – he was fighting, and I met Zane backstage at one of, at one of his fights, and that Trinidad Brown fight. Uh, then he went on to kind of what you said to fight Dupree Strickland. Dupree Strickland, just to give a little backstory on that, Zane had a, a decent am- not a decent amateur career. He had a really good amateur career. Uh, Dupree Strickland was a little bit older, had no amateur career, but had he was twelve and one as a pro. He was very protected by his promoters, and Zane was only Zane only had one fight. Dupree had fourteen. So after that fight, it was a six round decision, and, and he was fighting six rounds in the second fight, his pro fight, which is which is crazy. Um, 
he lost scores of 59 and 55, which is five rounds to one. And then the other two scorecards were four rounds to two. But you could tell during that fight that Zane had, he had something. He wasn't just this guy that maybe they kind of overlooked him bringing him in, uh, you know, thinking that Strickland would uh, kind of just roll through him. That was, that was a fight. Nick, were you at, were you at that fight? No, I was not. First fight I saw him, of him was uh, Johnny Taylor. Okay, so uh, and and then we'll mention Dupree Strick on a, a, a fair amount of times in this whole ordeal because that's some guy that we tried to get in, uh, and you could just tell how competitive the fight actually was. By uh, we offered Dupree an insane amount of money to come and try to fight Zane, and that that never materialized. And then Dupree would just cry saying that nobody wanted to fight him. So that, that's that's kind of one of one of those things. And then the the first two fights in New Orleans area, Baton Rouge, the second fight. Uh, the third fight out in Quebec City, how, how'd that all come about? Who was representing him at the time? How did he get that push to fight against? I'm sure he was just a prospect at the time, Lucien Boutet. So, yeah, Lucien Boutet, um, Zane was with Frank James, who Frank James was one of the best trainers to ever come out of uh, out of Baton Rouge. He, he, any guy that came out of Baton Rouge that, that could fight came out of Frank's gym. Frank actually passed away. I don't, have, I don't, I don't know the date, but it's, it's been quite some time. Um, he, he, he battled some demons and, you know, they, they, they overcame him, I guess. Uh, good dude. Uh, known, I got a chance to, to, to have a relationship with, with the guy, but he's the kind of guy that, eh, let's, let's go make some money. So Zane probably got paid that fight. Uh, Butte was one of the biggest prospects in boxing at that time. And he had issues getting people to try to fight him and just kind of going down and looking at that. He fought Lucy Butte at 171 pounds. That's, a little bit over the super middleweight limit of 168 pounds. Zane naturally, uh, whenever he started rolling, was at 158, 159 pounds. So not only did he give up experience and had to go into Quebec, not just 20, 20 some odd days after he fights Dupree Strickland, but he gave away a lot of weight. The fights on YouTube, if you wanna, if you wanna look at it, and it's you could tell that Zane doesn't belong in the ring with him. And Nick, I know you've seen that fight, and you can give an opinion on that. Yeah, no, Lucien Boutte just goes ahead and attacks Zane's body, and you could tell Zane wasn't in, in great shape. Like, he was – if you see Zane fight at, like, one, what, 154 or 160, and then you see him take that fight against Boutte, he's looking chubby and out of shape. And, like, he, I'm sure he got paid well, but he went in there, Boutte uh, got to his body, and it, it was all over after that. So when you guys say paid well, for a guy who had fought – three times or two times and was one and one what is being paid well 10 grand more less what are we looking at what's a good payday for that fight against a top prospect he probably got somewhere near three grand you're not you're not getting 10 grand for a fight like that he, he might have got 3500 but then uh, you know they fly you and your cornerman in they they take care of you and they they treat you like king so that it, it gives an incentive to go and uh, get your head beaten in okay but that's a step up from when he probably got paid maybe 600 to fight dupree and 400 to fight uh, Trudy's Brown. So it's, you know, it's a big step up in pay for that fight. Okay. So he fights three times in, in two months to start his career. He was one and two. Then he takes about seven months off. And this is when you guys start to kind of get, get involved here. He fights Johnny Taylor, um, unanimous decision victory in Shreveport, the Petroleum Club. It got back on track. Um, tell us a little bit about how this all starts to come about and, and how you guys start to get in the picture here. So this is this is like you said. This is kind of where everything starts. This is where the story really begins. So um, another guy you're going to hear very soon, Martin Verdon, was scheduled to fight Johnny Taylor in Shreveport. Uh, I was actually matchmaking that. So I, I, aside from managing and promoting or whatever, I used to matchmake, which kind of led to my career as a as a recruiter. It's kind of the same thing. You got to make fights. The promoter, there's not too many matchmakers. It's a it's a big time headache. 
the money is not great, but it's enough to be able to, to, to do it. And you also make a lot of connections in, in, in the boxing game and try to get what you want to get done. So I would offer my services as a manager. If I had any fighters, I would say, well, look, I'm going to, I'll match make this card. You pay me X amount. I also want my fighter on the card, try to build them up, which you'll, you'll see kind of how that goes. But uh, after that, I think Zane left Frank James and went with a guy named Mike Gordon, who was uh, kind of managing him and training. Uh, so Martin was supposed to, Martin Vernon was supposed to take that fight. Martin actually got suspended by the boxing commission for fighting in a tough man competition, which was put on by one of our good friends, uh, Steve Miller and one of our wrestling buddies, Mike Beetle, which was totally illegal at the time. Uh, <laughs> so he got suspended and Zane, I called Zane, I called whatever to get him in to that Johnny Taylor fight. Now, Johnny Taylor was not a, uh, a pushover. He had actually beat one of uh, Les Bonanno, who is one of the bigger promoters in New Orleans. Uh, he beat one of his fighters in probably a fight that, that should not have, have should not have gone that way. Uh, so, you know, he wasn't a pushover. And then Zane beat him. And uh, after that, you know, Zane, Zane and I, I, I saw what he had. I saw, I saw the Dupree Strickland fight. I saw the Johnny Taylor fight. You could tell that the guy had something. He wasn't just a, he wasn't just a, a normal uh, fighter that, you know, he was, he was a good amateur or whatever. This dude had power in both hands, and you know, with a little bit of, of training and a little bit of, of uh, I guess, people taking care of him in the right way, and a little guidance in his career, that he may be able to do something. For that uh, that show at the Petroleum Club in Shreveport, the Black Tie Boxing Event or whatever it was called, they had some pretty big names, up and coming names in Louisiana on that card. There was um, Jeremy Duplachan of Blake Prevost and uh, the veteran James Johnson, and just. Going into there, we had heard so much about Dupuchan. We heard so much about Prevo. And I felt Zane just outclassed every single fighter on that court. Now, so, let me give you a little rundown on, on how that is. Nick said it was a black tie boxing event. So you're looking at a venue that um, that could fit about 75 people in the place, probably $1,000 a ticket. Everyone is in a tuxedo and it's free, free booze free uh free food for everybody involved it's kind of wow. it was one of those kind of like 1920s style kind of feel of a night it was very very interesting scene and for that something i've never been involved with so you guys are just kind of watching from afar you know mingling here and there um in between november 9th 2004 when he fought johnny taylor to when he fights martin verdon in 2005 january the 15th when did you guys officially say all right man let, let's do this we're gonna work together so I guess it was more of a handshake agreement. Um, there was nothing on paper at that point. Uh, let's see. So he fought Johnny Taylor in November. And then the next fight he had, he was kind of, he was under our banner. You know, we, 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 he didn't train with us at the time. He may have came down a couple times, but he wasn't, it's not like he had a training camp or anything with us. Um, but we, we, we agreed to kind of work with each other because he kind of saw what we were doing with uh you know with, with the heavyweight that we had who, who couldn't fight a lick i mean I'm, i'll tell you that right now i had a 20 and 5 record so uh, and look we're gonna we gonna, i'm gonna be very i'm gonna be very blunt during this this whole this whole process but i mean it is what it is the dude wasn't that very good he, he got in front of a bunch of stiffs and he beat some of them uh so that made kind of a name look these guys take care of their fighters so at that point um there was definitely something there was something there some type of relationship to be built and uh, there were two local promoters, Brad Verdon and Ricky Falls, who uh, were promoting boxing at the time. I think it was their first fight together. They were looking for a good main event, and they were looking for Martin to be the, the main draw. It was in Homer, Louisiana. Martin's a great draw down there. And 
Um, you know, he's not afraid to fight anybody. So whenever they ask me to make some fights, I say, well, why not Zane? They'll, they kind of in that same weight class. Martin was probably at 169, 167, uh, 168 pounds, somewhere around there. Zane could move up and down from, from that weight class. And, um, it was a good matchup on paper, sold tickets. And it really didn't matter who else was on the car when you got a, a main event like that. Justin Verdon did make his debut on there, which a, a lot of local people know. He's a promoter now. Um, we did Carlin. set up a break Carlon, another uh, Darren Carlon out of home with his son. Um, he didn't really, he didn't really do too, too much. Um, so we kind of set up Zane a little bit, I guess. And uh, Lonnie was Lonnie Lareal, who was a local trainer, was working his corner. Um, probably not our permanent fix. I don't think he was the he was the end all be all of our solutions for training to kind of put that back. Uh, I remember that night Martin came out with Morgan Fitch rapping. Morgan Fitch now was uh, he was on the contender. Yeah. Um, he, he did a lot of things. I think he, he may have. Did he? Did Martin? Did Mark, Morgan Fitch have a loss yet? Uh yes, yes. Now he has okay. a loss. Yes. Okay. So anyway, he was a he was a a, a prospect. Got signed out of a um, out of out of what a what a manager out of, and trainer out of uh, out of the northeast, I believe, out of Pennsylvania. Yeah. Uh, so he was there that night. A lot of people would, a lot of people didn't know Zane. Everybody knew Martin. Um, Martin came out like like I said with the rappers and you know probably a, a good five ten minute entrance, and the bout lasted twelve seconds. Zane knocked Martin <laughs> completely out and almost out of the ring. Uh, that kind of put him on the map. Martin was uh Martin was six and four at the time, so you're looking at a guy that you know, five fights, he's he's fought some stuff, stiff competition, you're coming out, you know, you got you gotta win a record at that point. So at that point, after that after that knockout, it it was it was on. So So uh, go ahead, Nick, I'm sorry. For um for this fight, like something started with me and Zane for this fight. Like before every fight, Zane would ask me, Hey Nick, how how you think this fight's gonna go? And I would always give him my prediction i'd always say that zane was going to knock somebody out whatever just to kind of you know give him the confidence going into this fight so for this fight he asked me and i said 15 second knockout and he was like really i was like yeah go in there he's to try to touch gloves hit his hand down left hook end it right there i was like and let's get the fuck out of this place uh, get the f out of this place so we were in home it was all martin verdan it was nothing but verdans in the crowd all, all his family and friends and all so, it was it was eerily quiet after that knock, yes, knockout. What it was, the, that, it was, there was twice that it was just complete silence after one of our guys won, and that was one time, and the other was with Martin winning in another person's hometown. <laughs> we'll that, get that to that later. Crazy. He goes in there. He didn't slap the hand down, but he caught him with a straight, like a right jab and a left hook, I think it was, and knocked him clean out. Game over. That's the, That was along the lines of the question I wanted to ask both of y'all is, I mean, you're the road team. You are North Carolina going into Cameron Indoor. And when you get that win, and it's a decisive blowout win, and everybody else in the building hates you, but it doesn't matter. That's got to be an adrenaline rush like no other in the world. Tell me how that feels that, whenever that happens. That, that, that's one of the things that keep – a lot of things can keep you out of boxing, and there's a few things that can keep you in boxing, and that's one of those things. Going into somebody's hometown and not being able to get robbed by the judges and not – and just it there's no there's no feeling to me in sports that could that you could have to go into somebody's hometown that could be that that's one reason i still that i coach basketball going to somebody's hometown getting everything against you and then there's nothing that they could do to stop you from winning that to winning that fight or winning that game sometimes you got to kind of run out of there at times uh it it, it gets crazy it, it and that's one of the that it, like you like you said that adrenaline is is insane 
So now we, we move forward. You said, hey, man, after he beat Martin, it's on. And it, you're right. He fought, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times in 2005. The next fight against James Kitchen in Marksville. Unanimous decision victory, then beats Brandon Morris by knockout at the Bayou uh, Centroplex in Galliano. Uh, anything about these two fights? Uh, you guys kind of building a little momentum, getting a little bit of a winning streak here. So yeah, before so- we get into go any further with this, this is 2005. So this is the heyday of MySpace. So part of my job on the Zane March team was to like do his social media stuff and like promote him and get him out there. We did so much for his MySpace, taking pictures, doing photo shoots, getting him like making a website and stuff for him like that. And I don't know, this this time was crazy. Like after that Martin fight, it blew up, and like everybody knew who Zane March was. Everybody wanted to see him fight. Like we were we saw the opportunity to get into our own the fight game ourselves. Yep. And I'm sure Dame is about to expand on that. So as a prospect, you look in three to four fights a year, and you, you look in great. And in 2005, Zane fought eight times at seven knockouts. That, that, that's hard to beat. I, I, don't, I don't know when, when that will happen again or, 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 or who, what kind of team could, could put that together. But that's just – we'll go, we'll go fight by fight. I, I, I mean, we're kind of doing this for – you know, just kind of go through. Nick will tell you a little – I don't remember – so the James Kitchen fight came across uh, Jimbo Stevenson, good friend of mine. He's actually the uh, the assessor for Washington Parish, good guy. He had the lockdown on all the casinos in Louisiana. So I'm sure at that point I gave him a call. So look, I got this kid. After the Martin fight, there was some there was an agreement uh, between Zane and I. Zane actually moved down to Golden Meadow. His training camps were in Golden Meadow. He stayed with Lonnie Larue. Uh Mike Gordon kind of stayed on, but I mean the boxing game is a little shady at times. Mike didn't have any paper on Zane, and you know Zane kind of slipped away from. Him. We kept him. We kept him in the uh, in the loop for a few things, but some stuff that maybe maybe he should have known that he didn't he didn't need to know in, in my eyes. And the paper I had the paper, and, and you know he didn't. So gave uh, gave Jimbo a call, and uh, you know he gave us he gave us that fight with James Kitchen, who was six and one at the time, had fought since so three. From what I remember, he may have had a forced a little forced vacation previous to that fight. I don't know that that's allegedly. I don't have any. Uh, crime logs or blogs or whatever to, to confirm that but uh nick could tell you a little bit about james kitchen I, I i don't know why i just remember it being there being some bad blood but i don't remember exactly why this guy for the way in just was mean like he he wanted to intimidate zane and he can't i don't know did you say he was fresh out of prison i didn't say that okay well i'm thinking that's what it was <laughs> i said a forced vacation <laughs> so this guy is talking so much junk to, to zane to me, Damien, I don't know who else. I, I think we had a few of our friends there with us, Rocky and um, I think Joey and a couple of others. And this guy's like just talking so much trash to us and then mean mugging us. And then everywhere we go in the hotel, like if you see us in the hallway, he's talking trash and mean mugging us. It got to the point where I wanted Zane to knock this dude out so bad. And if he wasn't going to do it, I was going to do it. And I would have got knocked out so bad if I would have tried. <laughs> but I didn't. But luckily for me, we had Zane on our side for that week. So I remember it being a kind of a tough fight. You know, he, um, Kitchens wasn't a, uh, uh, you know, he, he wasn't a tomato can or anything. He was, he was, he was okay. Um, Zane Sweat, it was a, a unanimous decision. Uh, back at one, he fought again back at 157, right where he should be. Uh, Kitchens was at 161. Um, two judges had it across the board, a sweep four rounds to zero. And one inexperienced judge, Coley Johnson, had 39-37. Coley Johnson no longer judges in the state of Louisiana. Very interesting. <laughs> so I'll, I'll go to uh, – so 
the Brandon Morris fight, that is a very interesting fight to me. Uh, so the same guys that, that promoted the Martin Verdon and Zane Marks fight said, hey, D, we want to go down to Citroplex. We want it, We want help. This is when the Galliano Citroplex, who's known for Mid-South Wrestling and, and all kind of other events, unfortunately no longer in business. But um, they, they want to do a boxing. They want to do a boxing card. Brad uh, Brad Verdon, one of the promoters, he wanted to fight. He's got a couple of a uh, couple of his his siblings, Martin and Steve, wanted to fight. Hey, look, uh, let's get Zane on. You know, Zane he, he drew well in home. He's doing well. So they did. So you get the casino money is a lot different than the the club circuit money. The casino money you you making pretty good, and then the club circuit money you're probably making a hundred to hundred twenty five dollars a round which is almost not even worth getting in there. Um, so Brad, Brad whatever, for whatever reason, wanted Steve to fight this guy named Marcus Woods. Marcus Woods was decent. Arkansas kind of guy. Well, got in touch with his manager. He also had a guy named Brandon Morris. Brandon Morris was at 168 pounds or supposed to be at 160 pounds or whatever. He ended up coming in at 170 pounds. Brandon Morris was 0-7. Brandon Morris only saw the second round of a fight twice. Brandon Morris had his back on the canvas six times in those seven <laughs> fights. That's a tomato can, but you kind of get nervous. You never seen, I, you know, I, there's no film on an 0 and seven guy nine times out of ten, right? So you get a little bit nervous, but the guy's 0 and seven. So we used to have this saying: Zane, had, again, Zane working with Lonnie Larrell at the time, staying in Golden Medal, training in Golden Medal, um, doing a little bit of work in Baton Rouge. We'd set up sparring uh, in New Orleans, Homa. We'd even go to Lake Charles. Kind of, kind of went went that route. Packed house. Zane's the main event. That's what everybody wants to see. Uh, again, we'll, we'll kind of trans. Martin's on that card. Uh, guy Nick mentioned earlier, Jeremy Duplessis, kind of a, a, a prospect field uh, card right there. So Zane comes out. We always had this approach. Hey, look, uh, what are we gonna do this fight? Kind of what Nick said. And if Nick remembers, we had a balls to the wall approach. How are we going to yep. get this? So Brandon Morris comes out in these. Um, I don't know if you remember these uh, these dazzle shorts that were that were good in like '95, like were like basketball shorts. Like real shiny basketball shorts. That's what he came out in. So you kind of look at this guy. He's real dry. Zane's coming out. Every, we had purchased at the time. I think we purchased 500. Uh, Nick was talking about the um, the promotion. We had purchased 500 eight by ten pictures of Zane. Zane was autographing stuff all night. We used to have the kids. This was we did some Hulk Hogan type of stuff, man. We used to have every kid in the building come line the walkway to get that yep. Zane would pass in front of all these kids. I remember that. Listen. We was eating our we was eating our vitamins, saying our prayers. I mean, we was doing the Hulk Hogan at this time, right? And Zane came out. We looked over at Brandon Morris, and Brandon Morris was as dry as you could be. He looked at tell he did not warm up, nothing. And I said, Zane, we're going balls to the wall right here. And Brandon Morris probably took a half a breath and a half a step. Zane jumped on him, and uh, thirty six. It was it thirty six seconds, I believe. Nick, you wanna you wanna help me out on yeah, that? Yeah, if you ever if anybody ever 28, sees the video 28, of that, 28, 28 seconds. 28 knockout seconds. first if anybody round. Anybody ever sees the video of that, I apologize for all the cursing. I was the cameraman and I was pretty excited. So you get the win and, and what's Zane's mood like? Because I mean he gets to you guys one and two, kinda he knew he had potential, but the record wasn't showing it. And now all of a sudden, you guys uh, gave him some firewood and some gasoline and some matches, and this thing was starting to blow up. What was his mood like at this time? So, and you know, he's he's believing in himself. His confidence has totally changed. And at this point, it's almost like we could, hey, look, what's next? Let's let's keep going. So, in two thousand five, he didn't. There's not much time 
that he didn't he wasn't in the gym and he wasn't training uh we had, uh, like i said we had a good team around him they believe we believed in what he could do and it was never anything inside the ring that haunted zane marks so 14 days after being brandon Marsh, you guys take him to mississippi jackson mississippi take on norman johnson gets another knockout um tell us a little bit about that fight you take the take the show on the road go to another state and get the same result yeah, so like I said, Lonnie LaRue was training Zane at the time, and this was out of Golden Medal. This was out of a, a little warehouse. We had a ring. We had a couple bags, and it was just – it wasn't anything like you like you see in the movies. Uh, but Lonnie had a lot of amateur boxing connections, and Lonnie set up um, this fight with a guy named Stan Nichols, who was unfortunately passed there. Uh, he was the South Southeastern Association president for a long time. That's the amateur boxing sanctioning body here uh, out of Mississippi and Louisiana. Um, so they, they asked us if, if we wanted to go ahead and take a fight. So in, in the state of Mississippi, there's a round requirement. You have to have at least 32 scheduled rounds of boxing to have an event. Well, they only had four fights. They had more, but some of them were exhibitions. One of the exhibitions was actually Tanya Harding that night. Wow. The main event, the, yeah, the main event was, uh, Butterbean against Kenny Craven. It was always, that's always an interesting fight to have Butterbean at the top of your card. They didn't have anybody else to fight that night. So they asked us to take an eight round fight. So now we're at seven fights, taking an eight-round fight a little quick. But I say, you know what? We get the right opponent. We'll, we'll go ahead and, and do that. Um, and they lined us up with a guy named Norman Johnson. Record of four, four wins and 14 losses. Not anybody that's going to give us any trouble, right? He's been in there with a bunch of prospects and whatever. Um, and a minute and 43 seconds later, this fight is over with. We beat Norman Johnson in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, after the fight, so very interesting and uh Nick, were you at, you were at that fight? No, I, for some reason I was not at that fight. I don't know why. So um, that was so. So when you when you fight from out of town, people the promoters will put you in a hotel, and they obviously put all the fighters at a at the same hotel and whatnot, right? So in the hotel bar, there was Leon Spinks and Tanya Harding, and <laughs> at the time our business was booming. So my grandpa said, "Hey, let's go ahead and buy this bar for the night." So we sat down at a table, a bunch of us, a bunch of people that come that had come watch Zane fight from from down to Baya, and Leon Spinks and Tanya Harding. Uh, that night, I think we had to help Leon Spinks back to his room because he couldn't walk, and we got to hear some interesting stories from Tanya Harding. That was an interesting night in my life. Did you get a confession out of Tanya? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't go that far because I enjoy having my, I enjoy, like I said, I walked back to the hotel room. I, I helped Leon Spinks back to the hotel room. I didn't want to take the tire iron to the knee. <laughs> so le- less than two months later, you guys are back in Mississippi, Hancock County Civic Center, Bay St. Louis, taking on Chris Schneider. Um, man, I, I, you guys got another knockout win. Um, tell me about this fight because if I know you the way that I think I do, Having a guy making his pro debut, you're probably nervous as heck because you didn't know anything about this guy. Give us a rundown of this fight here. So I'm going to set this up, and then Nick can take it away because Nick is is very good at this story. And this is actually one of my uh, favorite stories. So three that's three weeks later. Back in Mississippi, a guy named Tony Dane, who was this like mid, um, mid-level marketing kind of guy. I don't know how he got into boxing. But there's one story I want to tell about this, and Nick can kind of take over. The venue could probably fit about 100 people. And uh, they were looking for some opponents to get matched. They couldn't fight them. I said, well, look, I want to bring my guy on. Kind of, you know, we, we worked the deal. I found his guy some some fights. And then we couldn't find Zane a fight. It was very short notice. Uh, so I said, look, we'll go ahead and bring him in. I'm going to keep working the phone and see if we get somebody in. So that 
uh, the night before the fight. They go ahead and bring us in. Nick, you were with us, right? Yeah. Okay, so I think it's like me, Nick, maybe Rocky, Keith, and Zane. Uh, we show up and we meet up with these two guys, and we're 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 not we're not uh, veterans at this point in the boxing game. A lot of people lie. A lot of people uh, are deceiving. So we get to the hotel. We see these two guys, and they say, oh, "Man, it's, it's a guy named Ernest Parfait and a guy named Paul Forey, two guys <laughs> that are fighting on the car, right?" So this guy can uh, proceeds to tell us about himself. Man, I got five wins. One loss and this and that. And the other guy said, yeah, I went five rounds with whatever, some guy or whatever that was supposed to be impressive. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to remember these cats. And things. I'm going to tell you what, BoxRec don't lie. We go back to the room. We look on BoxRec. One of them's 0-5 and, and the other one's 0-14. <laughs> so that totally, changed, that totally changed my whole perspective on what we just got into. So I'll, I'll, I'll let Nick kind of take it one, from here one of us one of them was telling us that his dad was a meteorologist and the show's not gonna happen because there's a big hurt like hurricane or tornado coming the next day oh god okay so we uh we're we're in mississippi zane does not have an opponent so we're i don't know if we're in the lobby of a hotel or at the venue or something just uh hanging out for the weigh-in or whatever and no it was the day before the week so it wasn't definitely wasn't the weigh-in and uh we're looking for a, a opponent so this guy smoking a cigarette in his jorts and whatever, just hanging out by a door, says, I'll fight him. And we're like, okay, who's this dude? <laughs> and we were like, do you have any fights? <laughs> no, no fights. And we're like, how much you weigh? Uh, about 200. Oh, okay. And we're like, uh, I think, like, in, in my head, I'm thinking, we getting set up. Somebody, this promoter, is setting us up with this guy. This guy is a, like a stud MMA fighter or something, and we get set up. So me and Damon, we agree. We, well, Damon agrees to the fight. We head back to our hotel, and me and Damon are going to work, like on the internet, looking to find stuff about Chris Schneider. Who is this Chris Schneider guy? And found absolutely nothing. One guy, one of the other fighters, I think, said something that uh, he's, he's just a dude that hey, came to the gym a couple times. He can't fight. So we, we just take it at, at that. And then we get to the, to the to the venue for the fight. No, 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 no. We circle back. Let's circle back. We get to the weigh-in. This dude weighs in at 200 pounds. Zane's walking around probably at about 155 or so. Wow. So we have to get... And you have, the, you, have, you have to be within 10 pounds to yeah, fight so we in the have, state of Mississippi. We have to get over 190 with Zane. So we go out in the parking lot. Anything we could find... Damon said we had hot dog wrappers. We put in sand and rocks and hot dog wrappers <laughs> and these bulky, bulky jean shorts that uh, Zane would wear. Just like his pockets were full. He had literally had to hold his pants up as he's on the scale because he had probably 40, 35 to 40 pounds of stuff in his pants. Like jewelry on, his fully clothed, probably had like... He looked like Mr. T. <laughs> <laughs> anything we had, phones, anything was in was on him somehow to try to make weight and he fought like he barely got over 190 to make that fight i like to see the actual weight of the fight i was looking on box track and couldn't find it so it is uh chris snyder officially weighed at 195 and we got zane to 185 which kept us right where we needed to be in that in that 10 pound uh mark and chris snyder so fellas i'll, I'll, I'll kind of take over uh, over from there so we get to the venue um there were like 25 people that just came in case zane fought so it, it was it was to that point, you know, the, the following was starting. Um, 
So we get there, the ring's still being set up. Like I said, it could probably fit a hundred people in the venue. And there were probably 80 people in the crowd. It was, it wasn't, it was, I don't know. I don't know how you, you make money or why you continue to do stuff like that. But, um, so the Owen five guy we talked about earlier, he found a stiff, he beat him. Uh, you know, we kind of, well, we're the first fight. So let's, 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 let's go back. We're the first fight. Um, I don't know why they put it as the first fight or what happened with that. But, um, like I said, the ring was kind of still being constructed. Well, we pumping Zane up. Uh, we see this guy, Snyder walks in, whatever. Well, Zane gets on the steps. He puts one foot on the mat, and the steps collapse. Oh, boy. Like, and look, we invested into this cat now. You know, we, and now we're in, we're in, um, May St. Louis, Mississippi, in front of 80 people. And now we're going to get hurt. Like, we'll straight, we'll, uh, tear a hamstring getting into the ring because your steps collapse. So I got agitated. I pumped him up a little bit. And then, we knew it. when we saw Chris Snyder across the ring when that shirt came off. We knew what was going on. But this is two two thousand five, right? So there was this guy in the corner that had this. I don't know. It was some kind of camera, and it was uploaded. The fight was all the fights that line were uploaded to his website. And I tried to find it doing some research for this. I tried to find. I could not find it. Ugh. Zane hit this guy. The guy turned around. Whatever. Well, when the guy like the guy had zero skill. Zero skill. When the guy kind of flipped back around, Zane had taken a half a step to his left, and the guy went to Zane's right, which was going right into his Zane's left hand, which was his power shot because he was a southpaw. And Zane hit this guy, and I thought he was dead. When the guy fell face first, Zane ran to the other side. The ref looked, no count, waved it off, called the doctor in, and the whole, again, the whole building was quiet. Like, is this dude legitimately <laughs> dead? <laughs> well, so to top to top off this story, to top off this story, the main event, which I don't know how, is Cliff Cowser. Cliff Cowser is the heavyweight. He's a box. He was twenty four and ten at the time, fighting Andrew Greeley. Andrew Greeley is a veteran that will knock off any any top prospect if you're not bringing your A game that night. Mm-hmm. Cliff Cowser also played Mike Tyson in HBO's um, yep. the first original Tyson story. Yep, and. Um, look just like, like yeah. I mean, if you look up Cliff Cowser, C O U S E R, and you get he's a spitting image of Mike Tyson, and he's insane. He tackled somebody in one of his last fights, and it was ridiculous. But that night, talk about ring construction. That fight goes five rounds. The fight is a no decision due to the ring collapsing during the fight. Oh, my, <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> And Tony Dane, if you if you find somewhere that you listening to this, my man, I used to like you very much, man, but you almost killed me. I almost killed you that night. It was to that point, dude. You almost killed my guy. Oh man, so the ring collapsed on the main event. Um I yeah. can't can't imagine. You guys <laughs> you guys get home from Mississippi. Uh and by the way, for anybody wondering, Chris Schneider didn't fight again. He ended his career 0-1, thankfully. Um, you guys take Zane back, uh, back home. Fights in cutoff at the Youth Center against Kirk Douglas in August on August the thirteenth, two thousand and five. Kirk Douglas, at least, correct me if I'm wrong, appears to be a little bit of a step up in class from his last couple of fights. A ten and nine guy wins a unanimous decision in the Youth Center. Tell us a little bit about that fight and that show. Okay, so this this is this is where it starts getting really good. Okay, so if you if you listen to the past um, thirty five minutes, this. Get you a beer, open one up, because this is this is where the story gets good. So at that point, um, Zane was wanted. People wanted him on a card. You know, it, it wasn't. We didn't have to go find fights. Fights were coming to us. 
and we get all the offers, man. Look, we'll pay you twenty five grand, pay you ten grand, come here. We're not ready to go on the road yet. We know we, we're building ourselves. Um, so there was a group of businessmen that we're working with, and look, man, I guess I'm gonna expose my shady boxing side, I guess, in this whole series. So at this point, like I said, everybody wanted Zane. So there was a group of local guys that were that were kind of Bradley Bradley Verdon and, and Ricky Foster kind of split. So Ricky Foss is courting these these businessmen. Ricky Foss does a great job of that. Uh, a lot of a lot of flair, a lot of hype with Ricky Foss. Um, so Ricky actually brought me to meet these guys on a fishing trip, and I kind of sleezed my way in. And I was like, look, whatever Ricky's doing, I said, on the actual boxing side, I could do the rest. You guys can do If you want to sell, you could sell shows or whatever. Like, like we good. And uh, that kind of happened. So we started a company, myself and, and three other individuals. Great guys, um, great businessmen, um, and where our first show was at the Cutoff Youth Center, sell out. I mean, we sold seventy-two tables. So you're looking at seventy-two tables at ten person a table, uh, and that's going to be on the floor. And then that's not counting the general admission tickets, which is going to probably be another three, four hundred people. So we had over eleven hundred people. We had wow. over a thousand people wow. booked out uh, that night. So uh, Nick bangs out the posters. We got the we got the promotional stuff going. We had hired Nick to do all the our, our promotional stuff. I said, you know what, first fight. Let's go ahead and get a title. Zane's ready for a title. At this point, he is um, 7-2. We got to find somebody decent to fight him. Kirk Douglas has some family on the coast. He's from St. Louis. Easy bus trip uh, from St. Louis, Missouri to get down here. He didn't mind taking a bus. We didn't really pay for a flight. I'm going to let you get to that story. I want to talk about this title, and I use title in my quotes right here. <laughs> There was an organization out of Africa called the UBO, which was the Universal Boxing Organization that will sanction any fight that you want to fight. I said, well, look, man, we only fight in six-round fights. So the guy said, but we want a title. The guy said, well, how about we create a six-round title? Oh, I said, so you're telling me that you're going to create a six-round title that we could have for our show? He said, send me $1,000, and you can do whatever you want. <laughs> so the guy and I, listen to this, man. This gets fun. The guy and I created something that we called the UBO, UBO All-American title. It was a six-round title fight. So that's the belt that we had. So we paid this guy $1,000. We bought a belt out of the title boxing catalog. We've set up one of our promoters, one of his sons, as the representative of the UBO. He came in in a little tie, gave it all the credibility in the world. You're fighting Kirk Douglas. Kirk Douglas was brought in. He was the, the – well, Nick could tell you – did you know Kirk before before I kind of get on my, my little rant? Okay, so I I was the guy who had to go get him at the bus station or air, it was bus station, right? Yeah, yeah, we it was we, him we and could, his, his, his trainer. Not a single word was said from New Orleans to the Galliano Inn where the way in was. I believe it was that night. Not a single word. It was so weird. It was worse than when we went pick up with Nebo or Nebo or whatever. We'll get to that story another time. So <laughs> Kirk Douglas, kind of looking at his record at the time, he was 10-9. and nine. He had a winning record. That's what we were looking for, somebody with a winning record. He had gone some rounds with a couple guys. He didn't beat anybody, really. So basically, he was he sounded dependable. He could go a few rounds. That's exactly what he did. He came in, uh, went the distance. Zane looked great. That was at a time uh, that Zane was not having anything out of the ring. We were in the gym every day. Uh, just he, he, Zane was actually able to showcase his boxing skills, which at that point, were okay, but the I mean his power got him out of a lot of jams. And I remember I remember being in the the first like like inside the ring or whatever. Zane looked at me and said, "Man, Zane Marks is in shape." I said, "Yeah, we <laughs> are, brother, and we we rolling right now." Um, so 
so Kerb did a good job, and you know he did such a great job. We actually we actually brought him back uh, at a later fight to uh, to fight Martin Vernon. Um, let's see. So uh, Zane was now eight and two, and he had something around his waist called the UBL All American title. Okay, so l- l- let me put a pin in it right there. Um, you're eight and two. You're getting a taste of, of a title. You're growing. You sell out. I, I, hope, I hope you're using quotations at this taste of a title. Yes, yeah, yes. <laughs> you, you, you sell out the home venue. Everybody's making a little more money. Um, how good did you guys think this cat could be? Like, if, if, if none of the crazy stuff that we'll talk about in episode two would have happened, and if everything would have stayed on the straight and narrow, how good could this son of a bitch have been? There was nothing that he didn't have. A lot of these guys or a lot of guys come in, they got the pity patty box and they don't want to be in a fight. Zane's boxing skills working. And I, look, I'll give Lonnie a lot of credit. Lonnie turned Zane into a boxer. He was a slugger, a puncher before. Now he's got a jab. He's got footwork. He's got head movement. Um, and he's, he had, it. he had the heart. He was mean. He, he, he was likable. People love the dude. He had, he, there was nothing that we couldn't do. And at that time, we were we were we thought we were were on the on the cuffs of something special. So you guys, fourteen days to the day after beating Kirk Douglas, go out to Marksville again, take on Anthony Adams, get another knockout. Any memories about that fight? Give us a rundown of what happened there. Uh, so that, okay, let, let, yeah, let, let me yeah, go ahead, Nick. Go ahead. Okay, so this was right before Hurricane Katrina. Like this was a Saturday. We left looking at the hurricane like looking on the news to see where it was going it was supposed to be going through florida no problem we're going to marksville for the weekend we're going to come back no hurricanes coming our way and then i remember being in the ring after the fight and parents calling me texting me or whatever saying what y'all doing for the hurricane i'm like what are you talking about what hurricane and this this area right here I don't, let's see if there's a yeah there's a four-month gap between this fight and this next fight that's mm-hmm. because of hurricane katrina wow so, and look, we could have a whole other episode on. So Nick and I, we say that uh, for some reason, we couldn't get a hotel at, at the park. casino. Yeah. So we stayed in some rinky-dink little place or whatever. They paid for it, but we stayed in some rinky-dink little place. So Nick and I took three, four days worth of clothes. That hurricane wasn't coming anywhere near us. Well, guess what? The next two weeks that we were on the road that we couldn't come home, we had three or four days worth of clothes and nothing else. <laughs> Interesting times. So you guys were riding out the hurricane in Marksville? We actually went to uh, uh, Tyler, oh, okay. Texas. So with okay. a, actually with a next door to a, uh, a good friend of ours that's in the Boston game, Mr. Reggie McGowan. He took care of us for, for a while. It was actually me, uh, myself, Nick, and uh, Rocky Keefe was with us. Rocky Keefe's in a lot of these stories. I went back and, and talked to him, and I, I got some good some information yeah. out of him. So that during that fight, uh, that's another Jimbo Stevens in Marksville Casino, uh, more casino money that time. At that time, um, I can't remember exactly who we were supposed to fight, but it was. I remember it getting harder to fight to find someone because Zane's knocking everybody out, and he's got a title now, which didn't mean anything to us, but it, it means something to somebody else. Uh, Adams was five and sixteen at the time, but he had a win in his one before last fight over Bradley Thompson, who was thirteen and four. So it gave him a little bit of credibility. Uh, made it out of the first round, 30 seconds in the second round, fight's over. I remember okay, it was let, a vicious, let, vicious body shot. And there is a beautiful, beautiful okay. picture in that of that fight. And we could post it right about now if we, if we can on the on the, our YouTube stuff. 
Zane actually hit Anthony Adams so hard that he took Anthony off of both his feet. Okay, let me let me explain to you why it was a second round knockout. We were talking before, and one of y'all remarked that it was a second round. He's knocked everybody out in the first round, and this was a second round knockout. So before the fight, when me and Dan, when um, me and Zane would talk about, like he would ask me what I thought about the fight or whatever, and he said, "All these fights, I've never had a first, a second round knockout." And I'm like, "Why would you want a second round knockout when you can just finish him off in the first round?" <laughs> he said, "I'm." He said, I'm telling you right now, I'm trying to get a second round knockout tonight. And I was like, no, fall to the wall, go in there, knock this dude out. Let's, let's get out of here. Because that was our, our thing. Knock him out as soon as you can. Let's get out. No time for anything to go wrong. If you just charge him, knock him out. So he said, I, I, I think I'm going to get a second round. If, if, if I'm going to judge him at first, I'm going to see what he can do. And then if I, if I can take him to the second round with no worries, I'm getting a second round knockout. And I was like, don't do it. Don't do it. And he did it. So that would so, explain the second round knockdown. That, and look, that makes total sense. That's awesome. That's dude. We got some good stories there. This is some good stuff. You're you're a recruiter, Damon. He was just diversifying his resume, man. Listen, whatever it was, we knocked that boy out, and it was we we were we we moved on. So you move on from the hurricane stuff, get through the fall, have a winter show just before Christmas, the weekend before Christmas, December seventeenth, two thousand five, against Tremaine, as we Tremaine Hines at the Galliano Centroplex again. Uh, I assume I don't know this for sure. I assume this is a this is a main event thing, and I assume, assume the Centroplex is probably packed. Give us a rundown about this fight and this show. So this is another one. The, the company that, that was made was Fight to the Finish Productions, which I thought was a pretty cool name. Um, this was the worst boxing card I've ever been associated, not ever been associated with that I've put on personally. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was around Christmas, and people it just was. weren't wanting to fight, and it was it was bad. Um, so my buddy that we had stayed with, that we, well, not stayed with, stayed near, uh, Reggie McGowan, had this fight out of Oklahoma named Tremaine Hines. Uh, he had a record of 3-11-2, and, and he fought like a guy that had a record of 3-11-2. Zane knocked him out. Uh, in this, I don't know why we went two rounds. On that one, I think Tremaine held a lot. I think he, he might have, he may have, uh, have saved himself. And that was just, a, that was a bad night. I, I think we had a lot of fallouts that night. Uh, but once bright spot my boy jimmy owensby local guy he made his pro debut on that card after he got out of uh, of the marines that's the only really thing that there was nothing really crazy about that about that um that night another notable on, on that card johnny white was on that card fellas yeah so johnny fought uh anytime that we had something we so his his uh his manager and trainer phil daly um who, who passed away great guy we did a lot of business with him and he we helped johnny and a lot of things and johnny Johnny's uh you know what let's 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 just Johnny's not that great of a, of a guy but he's a hell of a boxer Nick you were about to say something before I cut you off what, what you had bro I was asking Damien if that was the night of the epic after party or was that the other Galliano show uh that was the first one that was that was definitely the first one that's wow uh, we could so, we could go back speaking, if we have a good after party so story let's, <laughs> let's 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 go that route so we talked about look Ricky Falls friend of mine man I've seen him at couple months ago um in home he's back he was living in korea great guy great businessman he knows how to talk to people whatever this guy had the bright idea and it was great after the fights straight into a oil wrestling match so he gave like 30 minutes for people that didn't want to be involved in that to leave and we just had oil wrestling at the central place that was great <laughs> <laughs> and somehow nick had a live mic and he was just announcing the whole thing it was great great times Oh my! And I God. had a lot to drink before I was announcing that that uh, oil wrestling. 
I, I was not aware. Ideas, I just, it just, it, nothing ever happened after that. I was, I was not aware that th- that this took place at the Centriplex, but oh man, the stories we'll be able to tell another day, another time. If you notice, that was the last Galliana Centriplex boxing <laughs> show. There's not a single one left after that. So you guys get into 2006 after a very prosperous 2005. Um, take on Miguel Aguila in Mississippi. Aguila. This was a yep. decision victory. Um, Miguel has a pretty nice resume. Tell us about this bout over in Mississippi. Okay, so let me t- let me ask you a question, Casey. You you, you coach a lot of basketball. Let's mm-hmm. say you win eight games in a row. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling? Pretty damn good. Maybe you don't practice as hard. Yeah. But you know, you you, you play in a, a team that you can beat. Maybe you don't practice as hard. This is one of those games. And this um, is and no, th- one of those fights. This is around the holidays, and yeah, I could see where he would have maybe got a little fat and happy. So same kind of same deal. Uh, this was a Chad Broussard and Darl Sims. Chad Broussard, good friend of mine. Always on the up and up, and his manager and promoter, Dawg Sims, who passed away, great dude. That is Mr. Soundbite. If this dude was still alive, I could guarantee you we'd have him on here, and we would not be able to talk because we'd be laughing our tails off. This he was, and he's very direct to the point. He was Chad's. He was one of Chad's guys back in Chad when Chad was coming up the first go around, and then whenever Chad was making his comeback, he was he was right by Chad's side. Great guy uh, out of Greenville, Mississippi. Uh, can't I can't. Not a bad thing I can say about the guy. He's always treated me with with a. Uh, Great respect. Um, so at that time, we were looking for somebody maybe to get Zane some rounds in because we was knocking everybody out. Uh, Miguel, who was a friend of mine as well, was twelve and thirty-four at the time. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll tell him, I'll tell him this to his face: he was a punching bag, but he rarely got knocked down. Yeah. So we think we'll be going in there. Look, we're gonna get a clean decision, whatever. At that time, Zane was kind of in and out between Baton Rouge, go to Meta, and we had actually sent him to Scotland to visit his family, not where he's from, but where his family's from. Um, training might not have been his number one priority at the time. Miguel was bigger and got a lot more experience. He stole a couple rounds. Zane looked bad. Some, and we, we got out of there with, with, the, with the decision win, and uh, that was on one of, like I said, that was on one of Chad Broussard. He was the main event on that card, I believe. I mean, let me kind of check. Yeah, wasn't there first, a, a headbutt in that in that fight early? I, I, I can't remember. Uh, the one sure. thing that I, the one thing that I do remember is me the first time in my I was in the corner. The first time I was ever warned about something because Miguel was known to hold, and that was how he stayed upright. And anytime he got hurt, he would just hold. Anytime he was inside, he would just hold. And I counted. I knew that going in. And the coach that I am, I would let the referee know. I would count every time that he got held. So I got to like 85, and I'm just being ignorant and obnoxious about it. And the referee said, if you start, if you keep counting, you're going to be counting in the back. I'm, you're getting out of here. <laughs> I was like, man, do a call something. You know, like yeah. do something about it. There were no I'm, points taken. It was over 120 times that he got held. Now, I'm pretty sure. my, 120 times, that's my count. Maybe I'm pretty sure there was a, a accidental head, but like in the first or second round that kind of derailed it. I'm not blaming that on anything. Zane was out of shape. Zane, Miguel gave Zane way more than he should have that night. Like Miguel came to fight, Zane really didn't. But I think, um, if I remember correctly, there was an accidental head, but and Zane's eye was swollen big time. There was a huge crowd that night. Uh, Chad Broussard's first big-time fight fought Homer Gibbons. I met Homer that night. Homer's a great guy. I think he's running for some political office in his hometown in Georgia. Uh, may have been a little 
a little sweetener of the hometown pot. And I think Chad will be the first to tell you. I know Dolph Sims was he, he was the first to tell Chad. You might not have won that fight there, Chad. <laughs> oh, not a good night for the keep punching team. If you look oh. at that card, man. So, so just going on, just a, a little bit about that card. Uh, we brought Martin Vernon. Uh, Martin Vernon was under our stable at that time, and uh, Kerry Daigle, big time manager out of back, out of Lafayette, had his undefeated fighter Blake Prevost. Great dude, doesn't box anymore. I think he's a medic somewhere or something, or used to be a medic. He was undefeated, and Martin went in there and and, and put beat the brakes off of him. Uh, a little controversy, but he uh, Martin got him. So it was it was a rough night for for the Lafayette crowd. So but that so, was the, like I said earlier, there was like two times in my, my life that I remember the, uh, the hometown crowd completely silent when Martin got knocked out in Homa and when Martin beat Blake Prevo in Lafayette. So let me ask you guys this. Um, okay. You say that, that he wasn't at his best here in this fight uh, in Lafayette. Is, is he receptive to hearing that? Or is he just like kind of, Hey, whatever I want, you know, it, when, if you tell him, Hey no. man, that wasn't your best. Was he receptive to that? Yeah, that, that was, listen, uh, he's going to keep, we're going to get it to episode two, and it's going to sound like I'm, I'm lying to you right here. I, I, I didn't, at, behind closed doors, I don't know what he does or what demons he fights, but as far as being a good teammate and a, and a, and a, uh, a coachable kid, he, he was. He, there was no, oh man, I won, I'm, I'm, I got one 10 straight fights now, you know, get off my back. It wasn't like that. It was, Hey, look, I, I know I messed up, and we, we got to get better. So, so you move on to the next fight, two months exactly, two months and a day. Uh, this one stood out to me, fighting in the New Orleans arena, taking on Jerry Perez, got a unanimous decision victory. Uh, the big stage, the bright lights, and another win. Tell us about that fight against Jerry Perez. So that fight was put on by Banner Promotions. A uh, guy, Artie Palulo, out of New Jersey, had a lot of the ESPN Friday night fights. So this was actually an ESPN Friday night fight. So the way boxing goes, is if ESPN, if you have an ESPN contract, they'll pay your site fee. They'll give you probably twenty-five grand or fifty grand, whatever it is, to put on a fight wherever you want to go, and they'll they're going to do the production and whatever. So um, uh, Artie Palulo at the time had Vernal Phillips and Antoine Eccles, and those they brought in those two guys. They had those fights. So Artie gives me a call. Hey, look, this I think Les Bonato may have turned me on to him. Hey, look, I got my guys. I need you to put together four more fights. Um, you know, it really doesn't matter. So, of course, I bring Zane and Martin. Um, he said, well, look, there's this guy, Jerry Perez. I want to kind of get on. He's a friend of a friend. So I look at Jerry Perez. He's 9-13. Um, I'm sure he's a tough Hispanic fighter. It wasn't a lot of tape on the guy. So um, it, it, wasn't our, it wasn't our best night. And Lonnie had left us at that point, I think, before the Miguel fight. So at this point, we were maybe training Zane. I mean, we're – we knew what we were doing, but not at the end of the day. We didn't. We didn't know a lot. Um, like I said, our company was doing great at the time, so we would just pay a cut man to come in and kind of work the corner. So maybe Zane wasn't getting the the best. Hey, um, he, he was. He was. Who That's was? when me, Zane, Martin went up to um, Tulsa, Oklahoma, to, to spar with um, what's his name? Alan Green. Alan Green. Yeah. So we spent a week up there right before the fights. It was. It was Alan Green. Who was a stud undefeated at the time of uh, Antoine Eccles, Martin Verdant, and Zane Marks all training together and sparring together. So we got in some work in that, at least in one week uh, leading up to that fight. How do you hold yeah, his own so, against those guys? What was that? How do you, how do you hold his, uh, like, how do you fare in sparring with those big, big, big prize guys? Well, like, Alan Green was one of the best fighters I have ever seen live. Like, this dude was an absolute killer. 
Antoine Eccles looked like he was just kind of taking it easy, like not not going 100 percent in scoring, which I'm sure I I don't know he, his record makes him look like he's he's a top-notch guy, but I didn't he didn't look that great in training. Like oh, Alan Green was getting the best of everybody, but Zane was right up there with Antoine Eccles. So like so, I was really excited coming into this fight because Zane Zane was looking good. Well, so I, I'll go I'll go a little bit and kind of explain. I'm I'm trying to make sure that the non uh, boxing hardcore guy can understand or more woman can understand this. So in boxing, uh, so and, uh, Alan Green probably had a fight two weeks later or a week later or whatever. He was getting ready for a big fight. So they'll bring in different people to um, to spar. So Bobby Dobbs, who was uh, a friend of mine out of Oklahoma, was was holding that camp for Alan Green. They said, look, all paid expenses will give Zane 500 bucks a week uh, to go out there and train. Well, I don't trust Zane at that point to do what he's supposed to do. So neither Dan nor does he have a ride. So we got Nick and a couple friends and they went out there with him. And then I got Martin hooked up as kind of like a tag along because he needed to train. So that's kind of how that went. And Nick, is there any like funny stuff that you could maybe allegedly say that uh, that happened during that week in Oklahoma? Um, we met some characters up there, but I mean, I'm not trying to uh, throw dirt on my boy, but um, Martin took a, a nice left from Alan Green. And like I... I was about to like throw in the towel in a, in a sporting session with any uh, ex- any extracurricular activities that may have led to the performance that we that we got. <laughs> <laughs> probably so. Probably. They they said they, they denied it, but probably so. But, so uh, it, it, it it was getting to that point, Casey. We, you know, we're, maybe at that point we were getting a little full of ourselves. Oh, and, and oh yeah, 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 yeah. There was definitely some stuff going on, like uh, trying to entertain entertain ourselves at night, going out to. The gentlemen's clubs, and yeah, Zane has a little much too, a little too much fun at these gentlemen's clubs at the time. Were there any cowboys and, at the gentlemen's club? <laughs> no. Thank <laughs> so, as, as my favorite trainer Mickey says, "Women weaken legs, son." Yes, yes. That's that's yeah. There ain't no doubt about that. So, you guys get out of that fight, and the the last fight that we're going to talk about here is the the continuation of a winning streak. You guys take on uh, Mike Jackson and Lafayette. And Zane gets another win, a knockout win. Uh, tell us about that fight. It had been a couple of decisions, but then he finally gets another knockout. So before before we kind of move on, I want to I, I want to kind of elaborate on the kind of night that that was in New Orleans. So we've, you're fighting in a, in a twenty thousand seat arena, right? Sure. Um, so like I said, Artie Palulo has his two guys. So there's two guaranteed um, TV fights. Now, if there's enough time, they'll have what they call a swing bout. Mm-hmm. So they selected um, Deion Nash and Danny Reyes, a fight that I put together. Danny Reyes, former opponent of Chad Broussard, Deion Nash, a guy out of New Orleans. I was hoping Zane or Martin would get one of those fights. That's why we were kind of looking for a better opponent to be able to maybe be in that swing bout. Well, so obviously TV starts first. Danny, uh, so I don't remember what fight goes on. The main event goes on. Then after the main event, Deion Nash and Danny Reyes go on. Well, guess who goes last with no crowd and no anybody in there? Sounds like everybody's just ready to go home. It's probably 1030 at this time. That's when Zane and Jerry Perez enter the ring. Now, this will, this will kind of go to the next story on the next level where we're going. We had a guy named Bob Serby out of Memphis, Tennessee, <laughs> that had a bunch of fighters that I would that I would use. He used to work with Antoine Eccles. So that's how I kind of knew the guy. So we'd bring him in to work Zane's corner. He was a good cut man, just a good dude, very reliable. We'd pay him to come in. 
he wouldn't have to do any of the training camp stuff and he would just kind of go uh kind of just come in and come out there so just interesting stuff right there on like how to, how to, how that played out I, I don't i don't believe that he was in good shape i think it was a sloppy win but at the end we're moving to 12 and 2 and we're moving on to bigger and better things and then you get to the, the fight with Mike Jackson and Lafayette. Um, you have two months to prepare for that one. That's a mid-June uh, fight. Um, you said that the the, the train's kind of sort of it's kind of sort of shaking a little bit, but it's still on the tracks. Uh, did, did you pick up a little momentum here against Jackson getting the TKO? Yeah. So again, Chad Broussard and um, Dal Sims promoted card. Chad fought Homer Gibbons again that night. Chad unfortunately took the loss in the knockout. Uh, Homer got him, and then Zane was I think Zane was kind of a, an added attraction it wasn't really from lafayette but he still sold a lot of tickets mike jackson 11 wins 13 losses arkansas guy great guy adam uh, whenever he showed up he came talk to uh, nick and i in our hotel room and we kind of felt bad for the dude to be honest with you 45 seconds into the first round this dude is knocked out and rocky keep uh, asked him about a couple of highlights from what he remembers and he said he said man i remember being on the ring in the ring by the time i got out the ring i turned around sat in my seat in the first row and the fight was over with <laughs> so um nick b- before we kind of get some some final thoughts here you guys are 12 and 2 um knocking out everybody selling tickets locally doing all these things you said you're running the myspace and whatever social media there was available at that time um i remember this was when i was you know 19 20 years old um freshman sophomore at lsu i remember coming home for some of these fights or whatever and like, this dude was a big deal. Like, when you said Zane Marks and you put him on a poster, like, that was a big thing at the time. That was something that, if it were such a thing as going viral, it would have gone viral. And were you seeing that? Were you kind of getting the sense of, like, man, people are all over this crap? Absolutely. Like, he was he was a celebrity. And this, the like, local celebrity. And all of a sudden, Louisiana, you say Zane Marks, not just boxing people knew who you're talking about. Like, people, like, that don't follow boxing down here knew exactly who that was and it, w- it was a big deal like anytime he was on a show people wanted to see him they, they wanted to see him they wanted to see him knock somebody out it was like people used to like compare him to mike tyson like i, I mean i wouldn't go that far but like this this guy's just coming out here and knocking people like unconscious and that's what people want to go to boxing shows to see so they, they would gladly go watch him. And i think it was he was he was a likable guy and he he was likable by kids, and he didn't. Uh, again, the dude has demons, and I don't know what happened. Out of you know, behind closed doors, kids loved him. He was great with kids. Anybody, any amateurs or, or, or whatever that would come in the gym at the time, he would gladly work with. Um, you know, dudes like to watch him fight. You going in there, you know what you're gonna get. You going, you're gonna get a guy. You're not gonna get a guy that's backing up. You're gonna get a guy that's gonna be in your face, and either he's knocking you out or he's gonna get beat up. And that next fight. That we're gonna that we're gonna start off with, and I got in my nose that I'm reading right here. After that Mike Jackson fight and that night, things kind of started. The, it, it, the train started going off the tracks a little bit, and when uh, we try just to kind of hint on this Chance Leggett fight, this was that was that was the peak. That was the peak of Zane Marks and, and the career right there. A sold out crowd at the Cutoff Food Center. You got Chance Leggett 11 and six coming out of Phil Daly's gym, who's the same guy that trains. Um, Johnny White, who's an undefeated heavyweight prospect, his sons were undefeated and just coming out of a great gym. Chance Leggett was not a throwaway. And there's a lot of details going into that fight of why things happen, who we tried to get. And one of the 
seeing one of the nastiest knockouts that ever happened in the history of Louisiana boxing that night. Very, very good. That's very exciting. And, and before we let you guys go, um, okay, as a, as a promoter, you, in the Aguila fight, the Perez fight, the Jackson fight, you guys have now got a double-digit win streak. I know you're not going to remember exact totals, but about how much is my boy making per fight here? So you're still taking the short end of the money to be able to just stay active and get to that next level. If, if you want to, at this point, if Zane wanted to go make 20 grand, we could go make 20 grand, which we're going to get to after the Chance Leggett fight. It was after the Chance Leggett fight, things got so out of hand that it was time to cash in. And we went to Idaho and we cashed in. Very but good. You making, you making, I, I think, um, you probably make it 125, 100, 100 bucks around on these, um, on these smaller club shows. Casino That's shows, not- you're making, you're making 200 to 250 around. Not that you, it's whatever, not saying that if you only fight one round, you only get yeah, 100 yeah. bucks. It's whatever the round, like four rounds would be 400 bucks if you're getting 100 bucks around. Whatever oh, the fight okay. schedule yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just, I was confused because I was about to say, term. well, why wouldn't you go four rounds? Yeah. But okay, I'm following just, you now. That's just the boxing terminology. Um, and whenever you step out of state and whenever you move up in competition, that's when the, that's when the, the money comes at this point, um, which I was proud of. We haven't. We, we didn't. We were looking for the right fight. We knew what we had in front of us. And we didn't want to take that step and, and risk. We were we were trying to get signed by a promoter. We were trying to get signed by a big time promoter to be able to take care of us. We were still in that that free agent pool, and we were just we were working our tail off to try to get try to get to that point. It was so. like uh, watching Rocky Five when uh, Tommy Gunn's knocking everybody out and getting a big following, and he keeps on going up to uh, Rocky and saying he wants a title shot. He wants a title shot. Zane didn't come up to us looking for a title shot, but that was the next step. Like. Okay, we knocked everybody out. Is is it time to go cash in, fight somebody tough, like fight fight a big name, make a big uh, a big purse on a fight, or what? We want we our, our, yeah. Our our goal was was twenty wins. That's, we was looking for twenty wins before we uh before we cashed in. But as you'll hear on the next episode, uh, plans changed. Yeah. Yes. So you you get these these twelve in, in the bank, and the mood is good, and everybody's cruising, and. What does that do for the morale of everybody else in the in the club? Because I mean, then you got a you guys got sort of a, a franchise player here that that is showing the younger guys that hey, it's possible and hey, it can be done. I, I got a feeling that this was good for every single member of the organization. It was, and, and at the same time, we had Martin Verdon, who was the so Zane fought at one sixty, which is middleweight, and then Martin Verdon was in our camp, and he was at one hundred seventy five pounds, which was like heavyweight. He was the Louisiana state champion at that time. So it wasn't like it was just Zane and then a bunch of people that were hanging on. We had some legitimate competition uh, in the in there, which led to some good sparring and just it was fun. It was a fun time to be around boxing, and that led to credibility on our management side and our promotional side. So it wasn't hard to go out there and you know if we wanted to sign another fighter, and you know that's one of the guys that, that we that we kind of worked with was Gary Bergeron, a guy that we're going to talk about um, out of Chalmette. Uh, he, he came aboard. John Revis came aboard. Travis Scott came aboard, and that's some guys with some big win totals. And that and that just, that didn't just happen. That was a lot. Of, that was a lot of that had to do with Zane. Like some of those some of those guys you just talked about, John Revis and Travis Scott. Like those guys were all Frank James guys. We talked about Frank James earlier. Like the talent he had in that gym. Like looking back on it now, was ridiculous. He had Zane. He had John. He had Tafari Beard. He had Travis Scott. Then was that big heavyweight that was just knocking people out in Mississippi. 
Oh man. Um he air uh no. God, that dude was he was huge. But like Frank James, fabulous trainer. He had some awesome, like incredible talent in his gym. He just really didn't care about matchmaking. He just wanted to go out there, fight, make some money. And he would just throw his guys in with Dupree Stricklands and Lucian Boutes and stuff like that. If those guys were managed right, that whole entire gym, man. Yeah. And you're talking about you're talking about in you know, in, in the middle of Baton Rouge, it's Aubrey Whedon is the uh, Whedon. is the guy you're talking about. Yeah. Um you're talking about in the middle of Baton Rouge and this guy trying to keep these he's doing a great thing, trying to keep these guys out of trouble. You can only he did a great job while you know, while while he could. And he had some talent out of that gym. You mentioned Tafari Beard. So Tafari Beard was a fighter uh, that fought out of our camp as well. Um, I don't I – mean, he lost his first fight, and I think he won maybe four or five straight after that, then he, he retired. But he's actually had – he actually has a boxing gym. He has two guys, I think, are maybe his little – maybe one of them is his nephew, that are uh, ranked in the top five in the, in, the, in the United States, and they're winning all kind of national championships. And, you know, it, boxing's a small world. And it's a at the time was a, was a great thing, but I mean you you've heard a little bit of kind of the backstories and how things get done and and all that good stuff, and you'll learn a lot more uh, in the episode two labeled the derailment. So we have taken the train all the way to the peak. In the next episode, we're going to give you the peak and then the downfall and the very rapid and unfortunately very quick downfall. And from some things we're going to tell you, unfortunately, maybe even allegedly a very tragic downfall. Um, but, fellas, we've now got 14 fights under our belts. Let's just summarize what we've heard today. Give us the, the good part of the story in, in summary of, of, of Zane the Train Marks. The good part is the guy became almost a, a hero to a lot of people here, and rightfully so. Um, we, you know, he, he, we traveled around. We met a lot of people. And... He he was on the cusp of that of that next level, and I think we may have sold it like he was already on the cusp of that of that next level. It's kind of like watching, kind of like um, kind of like watching a, a minor league baseball player where you, you're watching him. He, maybe he's from the local high school, gets drafted, and then spends a lot of time in the minors. You just know he's he's going to get there, but you want to watch him while he's there. That was kind of the feel that that we had going into him and. It's, I guess the, the 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 positive thing that came out of it was made, we all made a little bit of money, and we uh, we we got the we got to entertain a lot of people and a lot of time, and we got to meet a lot of people. But I don't know if they kind of answering that question. I don't know <laughs> what kind of positive things came out of this experience. I guess the memories and and, and that, that's about it. Nick, you have anything you'd like to add to that? On it, it, it's, it's a small portion of time. Like to me, like thinking about it, this is three or four years, four or five years. And it's like mostly like two years, but it was just like lightning in a bottle. Like this guy came down here, started fighting. Like people that weren't boxing fans became boxing fans. He became a celebrity. Like Damon said, he's, he's working with kids, like making it all about kids and people love this guy. And it just all as fast as it, it developed, it went away. That's a great point because everything that we've talked about today is in a 28-month span. And it, it feels like, you know, that from, from you know, whenever I was going through it and watching these fights and everything, it feels like it was such a longer stretch of time that this guy was hot, but he was really only hot for like a year or so. And, and it, it's crazy that we, we crammed this many fights and this many knockouts and this much success into such a small period of time. But as we talked about, fellas, all that 
energy is in the bottle and it's about to explode. And that's going to be some interesting things to discuss. So we're going to talk about that in the next episode. Look, we've we've sort of, using a, an outdoors term, we've planted all the seeds today. We've told you why this story is important. And in the next episode, episode two, the seeds are going to start to bear some fruit. And you guys are going to get some really good juice. But, fellas, any closing thoughts? I think we've done a good job today. And I think that uh, everybody now will be interested in episode two and uh, some of the juice, some of the, uh, the gossip that we've got here. Because we've got some interesting stories to tell in, in a later date. Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, some of the things that we're going to hit on, obviously the chance-legged fight, uh, just brutal war. Uh, Zane was down, had to come back, busted eardrum. Uh, then the next fight starts kind of the, the decline. Uh, then going to Idaho, fighting Cleveland Quarter, who was 35-3 and three at the time, in front of uh, 5,000 people at the Quest Arena. Interesting experience. Uh, after the fight, uh, the interesting meeting with the commission, then going back to Homa and having an all-out brawl post-fight, going into uh, New Orleans, fighting one of their guys from the North Shore for the IBA lightweight title, and just the decline after that, the jail time, and all that good stuff is going to be talked about in in a lot of different ways. And anybody that is listening that, that wants to ask any stories, remembers any of this, drop us a question. If you guys have any questions, we'll be happy to, to have the guys answer them. Nick, do you have any final thoughts here? We've covered sort of the good news of the story, and in the next episode, we're going to have the, the quote-unquote bad news. Um, just, I'm just look, not really looking forward to bringing back some of those memories because I'm, I'm a Zane guy. That was my boy. But I mean, it happened. We're here to talk about it. No doubt. Well, look, thank you all so much for the time. Uh, thanks to everybody at home for listening. Um, if we've got anything interesting to talk about, we're going to help you guys pass this quarantine time. I know we've talked about maybe highlighting some successful local teams and local athletes, and we figured that Zane would be a good one to start with. So we're going to wrap up this episode one here. We've got episode two that's going to be dropping in the coming days. Keep it right here on One More Round. You guys have a wonderful day. Keep listening. <laughs>